The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We're your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon. And I am Dante of Earth Nation. All right, so today we're going to be talking about our artistic voice, otherwise known as our style, and we're just going to talk about like how how we came to have the style that we have and what advice we might give to other people who are maybe just starting out in ceramics. They like what they're working on, but they're trying to find their niche. It's a difficult question for myself even, because I feel like a lot of people in my, in my inner circle are like, well, clearly you already have a style, right? Mm-hmm. But my answer to that is a definite no. If I if I think about it, ninety percent of me goes nope. <laughs> Haven't really developed a true style or at least something that represents me and my own energy mm-hmm. into my own artwork. Yeah, I guess to better define like what artistic voice means, we kind of, or at least when in terms of I think about it, and feel free to add on to this kind of definition, just so we have like a, a good starting place for like what it means when we say artistic voice. Yeah, let's lay it down. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think of things like style, like the physical properties of the things we make, like its color, its shape, specifically for ceramics, like whether the glaze is shiny, matte, whether there's no glaze, you know, if it's raw, Mm -hmm. Um, and then also like the concepts behind it, like whether, you know, we're making nerdy shit or whether we're making, you know, sculptures that talk about, you know, human experiences, you know, in my case or something like that. So essentially what we mean by artistic style is the combination of the physical properties of the things we make and the concepts behind it. So that's kind of what we mean. So when you were saying, Dante, that you feel like you haven't really developed your style yet, like, tell, tell me about that. So the way it was laid down to me is when I took my classes with Yoshio Taylor is you took two beginner classes and that was your foundation. Mm-hmm. Then you took two intermediate classes and that was building on your foundation. Then you took two advanced classes, every class being about three to four months. And after that, then you start to learn how to work with those things. So in my mind, you're acquiring the skill set that it takes to work with the tools. Mm-hmm. When you're in the intermediate, you're learning how to use those tools better. In the advanced, you're learning how to build things with said techniques and tools. When you get into the independent study, or at least the still intermediate phases, that's when Yoshio was telling me that he wants me to start developing me. <laughs> Where's so many things? Developing me style. Developing me style. Are you ready to develop our style? God. I'm not entirely sure. Ready for that? <laughs> <laughs> After advanced classes, he would usually take us into independent study. Independent study is when you start to kind of develop your own style. I never developed my own style, or at least I never got enough time to do so, because in all reality, it takes years and years and years to develop your own style and really see the true form of what your expression is that comes from you purely. I'm not talking about going on internet and like developing or copying someone else's style and it coming out like a little bit different. I'm Mm. not, I'm talking about like you sat down, you closed your eyes, you meditated for a while and you thought what the best way to represent yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually through your artwork is. Mm. Your artwork is the tool in which to express yourself in that manner and that for me is developing my artistic style and voice. Mm. I've been holding off on that for a long time because I've been developing glazes, I've been trying to help out the YouTube channel, I've been trying to do all these things and I've been experimenting so much because I see so many people will pick a technique or a thing and stick with it. Like, Mm. they'll be like, oh, my style is swirly mugs. Oh, my style is making, you know, like mocha diffusion. Oh, my style is this and I want to learn mocha diffusion and do swirly mugs and XYZ and glaze developing in order to get more tools because I feel as though just learning, and I'm, and I'm sorry if I'm not being uh, gentle about it, I suppose, I don't want to be a one-trick pony. 
Like I don't want to. I don't want to do the one thing for the rest of my life. Mm. I don't want to be that guy who makes swirly mugs and puts the one glaze on it mm. for a year straight. That being said, though, just to push back a little bit, yeah, I do yeah. feel like you know when you see a you know a swirly mug with just the one color glaze on it, yeah. we don't know if the artist who made that piece spent years you know exploring a number of different styles and mm. then ultimately came back to I want to make swirly mugs with one glaze on it. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. And also another thing you, you had kind of mentioned earlier that I was curious about is I don't necessarily know that it always has to take years and years and years and years to develop your style. Admittedly, I have been working in clay somewhat professionally for like 11 years or something like That's, that. Yeah. And I do feel like I am kind of the most settled on my style now. But I will say that I think the, you will get closer to the style you want to make the more time that you put into it. So it's like... It's a skill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It might take someone, you know, 10 years to figure out their own style, but mm. it might take somebody else five years yes. or three years to be like, okay, like, this is the kind of work I'm interested in making, at least, like, right now. Well, yeah, so so building on top of that, I feel as though it's taken me a longer time because my, my general take on things is to get all the information and all the tools and all the skill sets that I can so that once I want to create what we would be considered my true expression or oh. the magnum opus of me spiritually, emotionally, physically, Physically, I, I like I need all the information to come to a complete conclusion of what my style is like after the beginner class I was like that's it I'm good I can, <laughs> I can make I can make whatever now but realistically I'm I'm always a student in that fashion yeah and because of that I've been holding off on making what I would consider my true voice or my true style hmm. because I'm just constantly building and building and building I don't know I, I feel like I need more tools to to express myself at least spiritually that was the thing I said in the car to you. Yeah, yeah. Remember where it was like, I want to develop a style that is so intricate and exact of a representation of me that I want you to look at that piece and be like, that's a Dante piece. Yeah. That's Dante's piece. Yeah. It has the it has the energy, it has the aura, it has the physical look, it mm -hmm. has the feel to it. It almost decorates the air with how pronounced it is with its being there. God, that is like Yeah. What a what a what what a way of phrasing that. I love that. That's what I want. Like yeah. that's what I mean by developing my style. You have, I don't want to say I found your style, but I noticed that you are like way more decisive about it. Cause like, even when I'm in your studio, you have kind of a, vi a vibe here. <laughs> and I'm like, she found her vibe. I still haven't found mine. Was it natural for you? The thing that ended up leading to my me developing what I feel like is my style mm -hmm. is more so a result of being like, okay, I've been experimenting for a little while, mm -hmm. but when I thought about what it meant to have a professional look, yeah. to me, that meant some level of consistency. So like I would look at other Instagram artists and they had a, a visual language to their work. Yeah, that's that, a good that's a good way to say it. You know, some artists use, you know, really bright colorful glazes, big rounded shapes, bright yeah. colors, things like that. And I can look at those pieces and be like, okay, those are awesome. Yeah. They're just not what I want to do. Right. So I feel like sometimes finding your own style is finding the unique path that is between the countless other artists that are out there. Right. So it's like defining yourself <laughs> by what you are not in some ways. I get that. And and to a certain degree, I think I don't explain it as well as you do, but I get it in that like, I'm just not a fan of like the common. My likes and interests go to the things that I cannot explain more so than things I can. Yes. Every, yes. Yeah. 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 Like you want to look at a piece and be like, what? what? How? Yeah. 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 I look at other, I look at some artists like that. I think the term is like liminal. They're, they don't have their foot solidly in one yeah. artistic world. 
Like, it's the kind of piece where you can look at it and be like, I'm not sure if this is sci-fi, fantasy, horror, historic, architectural. It's yeah. just like, what What am I looking at? Yeah, I don't... And there's something, there's something interesting about it. Yeah. 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 So... I really started honing in on my style because I wanted to have a consistent body of work. Mm. Um, because to me, for what I wanted in terms of like looking professional, how I perceived like what looking professional looks like, I see. that was like having a consistent body of work. Now, how I got to that point, you know, I mean, to some degree, I'm still experimenting, but Always. I, yeah, yeah. Always. And I think I've also to insert in this into the conversation, like, yeah. even though we talk about finding our style, it's not like it's ever a solid you know, you get to this point of finding your style and then you're done. You know, yeah, it's there's like, no, there's no done really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, finding my style is more about like, okay, I have a general, like again, visual language for my work, mm -hmm. but it's more of like my exploration now is like tends to be dialects within that same language yeah. as opposed to completely different languages. That's a good way to put it as well. It's, it's cause you're building upon something that you're exploring instead of saying I explored it and I'm done. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm like gonna that. like jump to something completely different. I do that. I do that. What you just explained far more. My mama will come in my studio and be like, "Oh, what is this? <laughs> what oh, son, son?" <laughs> my mom, she's like, "Why don't you make more of this?" And I'm like, "I'm done with that now. Mm. I've explored it for like five months." Yeah. Well, you even talked about that, like on the episode with John the Potter. You were like, "Yeah, I tend to get into things for like four or five months, and then I'm done." Yeah, then I'm done. You know? Yeah. And then it's it's a new tool for me. Mm -hmm. I discovered the tool. I took it as far as I'm willing to take it. Mm -hmm. Granted, I'll never dive really deep into it. I think some people have more. Let's just use swirly mugs as because that's a very common thing in the pottery world. Some people have more of an understanding of swirly mugs and how they work with the ergonomics of the human hand more so than I do. Mm -hmm. But I can definitely make a swirly mug. I did it for like a year, and I'm yeah. I'm kind of done with it now mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm moving on to making like certain glazes and figuring out how they melt and you know I like to see things that I can't explain yet yeah and I think a lot of other people like that as well that's why I'm always looking for the next tool or the next skill is because I can't explain them yet I haven't delved deep into them yet I want to know them so I can incorporate them in my artwork mm -hmm. so that I can make that final piece of no one can explain it you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could argue that I never have hopped off of the stamp train, you know, because most of my work is a relatively simply glazed mug right. with a stamp that has a design on it. And I tend to spend more time developing the specific designs that go on those stamps. Right. That kind of ties back into like focusing on a new dialect within a specific visual language versus learning a new language. Well, that's a good example because yeah. you're still on the stamp train. I hopped off the stamp train. I'm on the silkscreen train now. Yeah, yeah. So that's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. But now that I've done silk screens, I'm like, what else can I do? <laughs> you know what I like? I've done silk screens for five months. Now I have like 20. Yeah. What else can I do? But I'm sure yeah. people would love if I made a bunch of mugs, like 20 each, and then put like, here's earth, here's fire, here's mm -hmm. air, here's water. Mm -hmm. People would love that. And I need to start doing that. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> I, think, I think that comes back to like what our different focuses have been. Because again, you spend a lot more of your time on developing your YouTube channel on the more educational side of it. Whereas like my time and focus tends to be more of like, okay, when am I doing another Etsy update? It tends like broadly speaking, uh -huh. I'm, I tend to be more like, okay, commercially, how am I gonna make this work? Whereas most of your time is the education, less of the like yeah. preparing for an Etsy update and things like that, or for you just a site update. So it sounds kind of like how, how you approach finding your artistic voice is kind of like, accumulating as many tools in your toolbox as you can yeah. that you 
feel like will eventually allow you to create the piece that most accurately represents you. Absolutely, okay, yes. And, okay. and, and I feel like everyone has a different you. Like yes. everybody has a different, how do you represent yourself in the art world? And some people who have found their style very quickly that uh, I'm a little bit envious because I'm like, cool, that's how you want to represent yourself. That's fine, mm -hmm. but you did it so fast. <laughs> I'm holding off. There seems to be a dichotomy in between, like I found my style and forever a student mm -hmm. or never done, but I'm wondering how, like what, if you were to give it a one through 10, what number do you feel that you are in with developing or finding your artistic voice? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you clearly have a style. Yeah, I, w I feel like I'm probably at like seven. Seven. What would it take for you to be eight, nine, 10? I don't think I will ever be eight, nine, 10. The reason I would say seven is because I have a general sense of like the shapes I like to make. I feel like this is getting a little bit into branding, but I tend to make stuff that's like not particularly feminine. Um, I make shapes like that tend to have more like straight lines. I have a glazing style that I like. I tend to like matte glazes. I tend to like relatively simple glazing, one color. I aim for things like classy, but still kind of nerdy, that kind of thing. But the reason it's not like eight, nine, 10 is because I still wanna explore themes within that overall I see. language. It's not like you're full force that language. You're just... Well, I guess it's just because I still like to leave room for experimenting. I don't want to get stagnant either. You had you had said something about strength and that, that hit a key with me because mm. your, your style does come off very like Viking strength. <laughs> yes. Mm. And I like that. You know, your steins are very angular and not very curved. Mm -hmm. And I like that. And that comes off as your artistic voice whenever I look at your work. I look at a body of your work and I see goblets and I see steins mm. and I see heavier applications of thicker glazes that are usually matte. And you're right, as far as your sculptural work goes, when I go into a museum or whenever I go into a like art a show, oh, yeah, yeah, a gallery or art <laughs> show, and whenever I see your work, I can tell. Like, it gives off like, that's a Lindsay work. That's <laughs> Lindsay's work. I recognize it anywhere. In my mind, you seem to have two different sides where your functional work is very strong and Vikingish, and then your sculpture work is very, not very, but a little bit more delicate, mm. but still got at the same time okay and when yeah. I look at your work I go that's a style yeah most of my work that I put out even on my on my website uh, shameless plug earthnationceramics.com <laughs> it is like experiments mm, okay. a, a lot of my followers will tell you like yeah he just felt like making these cups yeah. and then he experimented and most of them came out kind of good the ones that came out bad you don't get to see them <laughs> that's pretty much it and mm -hmm. I, I have to start making more of a standardized thing but I can't wait for the day where I go this is my style. Mm. You know, I can't wait for the day where I go like, this is what I make. This is representative of me. Cause at the moment, what you're buying are experiments so that I can get to the end of that road. Mm. And that's why my mom comes in the studio and goes, do more of this. And you go, no, <laughs> I don't like that. I know I don't like it cause I've done it for five months. So as you start looking at making that transition to, at least, okay, from, from what I'm understanding, it kind of sounds like you're wanting to hone in on your style a little bit more. Absolutely. I, so how, how are you doing that? Like for you, what I'm are those? Not. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so not. I'm not. I feel like a lot of my patrons and my YouTube subscribers are really just supporting me because they're like, you give me information or they go, I like you as a person, mm -hmm. or you're like, you're a supplement or at least a positive in the ceramic art community to me. Yeah. Like, for my own purposes, like I asked you that one through 10 question for this point now, because I feel like I'm at like a two or a three. Oh really? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what, what makes you, what makes you feel like you're a two or three? I don't really have 
a style for my functional wear. You have a style for your functional wear. You have a vibe. For me, I'm just making like functional wear that is experiments that might be interesting. Huh. I would still say that like, you know, again, as an outsider looking in, yeah. I can kind of tell when a piece is yours because, mm. I mean, well, even just a simple comparison, it's like if you were to look at one of my pieces and one of your pieces, yeah. obviously they look really different. So you yes. do have somewhat of a style. Like I see that your work, yeah. your work, you tend to have overall more shiny glazes, mm. but they are visually textured. So right. they have crystalline glazes or they'll have miniature, I don't know what the right word is, but like lines within the glaze texture. Yeah. You know, you your work tends to be more organic in sort of shape and feel. That's what I'm trying to do right now is trying to yeah. make more organic stuff. Mm. Like I'm trying to make these teacups or at least may maybe even tea bowls that are very jagged and organic shaped. Okay. But when I make them, it turns out I'm putting stuff on the wheel. Mm -hmm. I'm digging the well. Yeah. And then I'm like stabbing it with a knife. <laughs> And then the leftover residue or action from that stabbing or that carving with the knife is like, oh, it's done. Yeah. You know, and it's, I don't know, I, I'm looking, I'm looking for something that imitates the action of nature. I don't want it to look like it was done on purpose. And I think that's, for me at least, that's the truest form of organic. It looks like it was done, but not on purpose. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why uh, his life excluded. Pablo Picasso was so, was so like revered is because you see his early work and it looks fantastic. It looks amazing. It looks like, man, it looks like an angel came down and his brushes. But then you see his like close to death work and you're like, this looks like a child did it. What you don't understand is that he did it on purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's harder. <laughs> that's harder than any other thing. Once you learn it all, it's difficult to forget it all and let yourself be expressive through your own tools. Yes. Very hard. And I'm trying to force that. I had a clearer sense of my own voice when it came to sculptures. Yeah. But when I first started doing wheel throne work, I was like, I have no idea what to do. And literally how I started was I bought a book called Surface Decoration for <laughs> Ceramics. Yeah. And I tried out a couple of those different things. It started out with just looking to other people for for examples that I tried to copy. And then I was like, okay, I kind of like this. I kind of like this. Okay, I don't really like this. Let's do something different. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way you do, where if I make my art artwork, my brain goes, I know what I'm doing. But like my functional artwork, I have no idea what I'm doing. Huh. No idea. That's really interesting. It all, it's all skill. Like it's literally all like, I know how to pull a wall. I know how to make this structure. I know what glaze to put where to get this effect. But as far as my own personal voice, don't know. I have no idea. Huh. Yeah. I'm just making stuff in order to experiment for later stuff. Mm. If I'm being really honest with you, 80% of all my kiln loads are experiments that people really like and buy off my website. Mm. But real, and I know how to make stuff. Like I can make a dungeon master mug. Yeah, but yeah. Realistically, my brain goes, I know how to do that. I'm not doing it anymore. Huh? I want to do something else now. So I guess maybe that begs the question, is it important to have a consistent voice? Oh, we never entertained that. No, no. I'm just kind of thinking about this, like as this conversation goes along, cause like well, I kind of went into this thinking like, okay, like I've got a sense of my own artistic voice and I can maybe talk, you know, about yeah. the process of getting there. But what I'm kind of hearing in your experience is mm. that like in to some degree, experimentation is your style. Yeah, it's, you know? it's kind of like saying, um, who are those people that don't believe in anything as far as gods go? What are they called? Oh, atheism? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like saying atheism is a religion. We're like, the form of belief that you don't have is technically a belief system. You know what I mean? It's, kind of? I'm it's not... like, I don't really have a, I don't really have a style. Well, the style of no style is definitely, oh. <laughs> the style of no style is definitely a style. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's a, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I never, I never really entertain that, but I get what you're saying. 
I think the difference with me is that I'm I'm hoping to develop a style through experimentation sooner or later. Mm. I just find that none of the things that I'm doing at the moment are representative of me enough to call it my style. Mm. You know, I do have a couple of things that I think are represent, but like, you know, you've been in my house, you see yeah, all those vases yeah. on the, mm -hmm. those are things that I like to make. Those are things that I think are representative of my style. Okay, and those are those are the like larger, yeah. not necessarily functional, more sculptural or sculptural, decorative yes, pieces. Decorative, yeah, just people don't really see them because I don't. My brain goes, that was the opus of like that experimentation phase. Mm. You know that big like it's like a foot and a half. Yeah, has horns on it. Yeah, has yeah, There's a ball yeah. in the middle. For it's sure. the first time I figured out Randy's red and floating blue goes together. <sighs> but that to me was like. That's in my house and has never been put in an art show because that's one of my favorite pieces. I'm, I love that thing. That's representative of me and my style. Yeah. I'm not making a bunch of those though. I'm mm. done with it now. You know, but now that I'm done with that phase, I'm like, well, what else do I do? But do you, I, do you feel oh. like as you, as you go along, do you feel like the skills that you use stack? Because maybe, maybe. They have to. Do they? Yes. Huh? Okay. Tell me more. No. <laughs> Well, cause, cause I didn't I'm, think it all the way through. <laughs> well, because what I'm thinking is that, like, you know, developing a style maybe doesn't have to be an intentional choice, you know, because I somewhat had an end goal in mind, but for you, maybe, and again, for maybe for a lot of other ceramic artists, it's less about, I want to make this kind of thing and I'm going to do these things to get there. And maybe it can also be like an accumulation of building skills and styles that eventually you end up using so many different skills within one piece that it becomes its own independent thing. It's greater than the sum of its parts. Of course, yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I'm doing. But in, in respects to what you just said, where you were like, I'm just building skills to find out the end goal. I think in my case, I have no idea what the end goal is. At the moment, I'm building skills and hopefully I'm stumbling upon the end goal while I do it. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm coming from. Do you have an end goal? I have an end goal now. You have an goal now, so yeah. do, are you still at a seven with that end goal, or like? Yeah, I think so, because when I decided after probably three or four years of like experimenting with wheel thrown work, mm. because again, like when I graduated from college and moved back to Sacramento and started taking like continuing education classes, mm -hmm. I didn't really know how to throw very well. So it was probably a solid three or four years of like just getting better at wheel throwing and then kind of developing my skills mm. at that time i didn't have an end goal but once i started doing anime conventions once i started realizing that i was i wanted to make pieces that kind of were a combination of nerdy subject matter but presented in like a classy way that referenced the kind of rustic viking warrior yeah. D, D fantasy environment without making like a mug that looked like a barrel you right, know what I yeah. mean? like i wanted yeah. it i wanted it to be more subtle than that so mm. once i figured out that that's kind of what i wanted to do i feel like i have been more my exploration has been with that end goal in mind if you can make an item that would affect the world and you can imagine that item what would it be or how would it represent oh. you? You know what I mean? Kind of. Um, like if you could get, if you could go from an outsider's point of view, if you could put your piece in the Louvre and someone looked at it and started saying things about it, what do you think that description would be? Oh man. Yeah, think about well, it. Well, I feel like I have to have, I feel like it'd be two different things because for sculptural, it would be one thing. Hmm. For 
functional work, it would be another thing. I let think, me get sculpt Let me get sculptural. Because oh. the Louvre would, I don't know if they'd accept <laughs> our mugs. Uh, probably not. If one of my sculptural pieces got in, I think in general, what I would want said about it yeah. is that this is a piece that uses the lens of the imaginary to tell stories about human experiences. And that's like literally part of my artist statement, like on my website, that's basically what it says. So off the bat, I'm assuming that you're making a piece that has such strong historic symbology, or at least such strong symbology that it tells a story within the piece itself. Not even necessarily that, hmm. because I think ideally, I don't want people to have to know and understand the historic references to get something out of the piece. Like I have work that explicitly references the history of like Gothic architecture, right? I see. But someone who looks at that piece, then I want them to still be able to take something away from that piece without having to know all that history. Without sure. prior knowledge. Yes, sure. If they know that history or if they like read the artist statement next to the piece and they like gain, you know, that, un that understanding, then yes. cool, great. They can bring that to the piece too. Mm -hmm. But like, because a lot of my work is figurative, I feel like you can still communicate things through like body language and particularly with like fantasy, with horror, with sci-fi, with anything that is imaginary, you can invite people to think about human experiences without it being like really ham-fisted. So mm. it's like a creature- Ham-fisted. <laughs> Yo, ham, she said ham-fisted. Is that a thing? Oh, it's a thing now! Is it? Oh! I heard it, I mean, I've heard it like said before Yo. that like being ham-fisted is like really, Me and your mama you know, got obvious. together last night, we ham-fisted! Oh my god, that's not what it means, Dante! Oh, that's exactly what it's, I was slapping them hams! It's not what it means, though. Okay. It means like heavy-handed. It means like over, like What's over What's with the ham, obvious. though? You I don't know why it's How come ham. you don't say heavy-fisted? Why you gotta say ham? <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, bro. I'm using that at work. No, I can't Do use it. that at work. My boss is going to take it from me. Oh my god. I don't think it's meant to be. Weirdly enough, I'm, I'm actually not trying to be explicit I've here. never heard such a thing in my oh. whole life, and I love it so much. Oh, that's a whole other thing. I didn't mean that's to. Thing. Just, no, you're good. I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> I'm so. We had such an intense conversation. Oh. Now, and then I derailed it with the ham fisting. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. Please so, do. I'm so sorry. So, no, no, you're good. You're good. Okay, so so the point the point being is that with the piece in, you know, hypothetically in the loop. <laughs> fucking breathe, man. I'm fine. <laughs> the piece is in the loop and it's ham it's ham fisted. Let's oh go. Oh my god. <laughs> no, but that okay, so ultimately Ultimately, what I'm trying to say is that I would want <laughs> I would want a piece to have a style that, through body language, through yeah. you know all these things, it invites people to connect with human experiences. And again, that's through through the lens of like creatures, through like because that's just that's the visual language that I like. I like creating yeah. creatures and monsters. And there's a really rich history of people using monsters to process human existence. Yeah, using monsters and gods specifically. Yeah. 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 So that would be for like a sculptural piece. Your talk about creating a story without necessarily having to have historic roots on all what has already happened in human history kind of reminds me of people who 
are like, uh, not architects. What are they called? They dig through dirt, but they're not potters. Oh, archaeologists? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they dig through dirt, but, but they're, they're not, not potters. potters. <laughs> um, oh. Like, archaeologists who date and find tablets, and then they have to piece together what happened mm -hmm. in that time period through the tablets and the kind of like a pictograph. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they have no idea what happened. Mm -hmm. They just have to piece it together and use their mm -hmm. own mind. That's kind of what huh. that reminds me of, where it's like, there's a story here. I don't know what it is, but I need, like, there is a story here. Yes, yes. And that's kind of what it reminds. Are you trying to elicit any type of emotional reaction through your artwork? You know, it really depends on the piece. If it was a 10. If if we're still talking about the Louvre and the 10. Yeah, if we're still talking about the Louvre and the 10, then yes, I think I would like it to elicit an emotion. What emotion? Well, I think, it de I think that really depends on the piece, because each of my sculptural pieces has, like, its own concept its own story behind it so it would really vary piece to piece okay but overall i want people to be curious about my work because again i i want my work to inspire a narrative that's another way that like i've heard people describe my style is that it's like it's narrative it's like i see it and i think about a story or i wonder about the story behind this piece so if there was an umbrella emotion that i want people to feel looking at my sculpture i would say it's curiosity okay but that so that's like that's the 10 and that's for sculptural work that's okay i think a 10 for a functional piece yes would be i want people to experience a tiny little bit of magic in yeah, their lives yeah. like because for me I grew up like walking down streets and if there was like a street that had like a gate with like grass and stuff and like vines covering it I'd be mm. like maybe it's goes to Narnia you know like I love I love that shit that sense of like magic and otherworldliness like yeah. I want my functional work to bring that a little closer to home for people so it's like the the coffee stat mugs and the tea stat mugs that I make like those are kind of meant to, you know, gamify your life. It's like, oh yeah, like if I was in an RPG, yeah. coffee would like boost my stats to like give right. me more endurance and things like that. So in that small way, it's bringing that sense of like magic a little or otherworldliness like closer to home, you know? That's a good descriptor of it. Yeah. To kind of I've been writing for my website a lot. No, you're, so I've been yeah. thinking about this shit a lot. You do, I think you're doing great. It's a, that's a very, you have a much more clear version of your descriptors for what you want your artwork to be than I do. Because I have like an end goal image for my artwork or yeah. a reaction that I want, but I don't know how to get there. Mm. So what what's what's that end goal like action or end goal um, reaction? Reaction. Thank I, you. I think for the I think for the end of my functional where I would. All right. So let's to bring this back to video games, right? It's yeah. The game the game I like called Destiny. There's these. There's what these, Destiny? I've never, I've never heard, heard you talk about it. I've never heard you talk about it before. Never. What? I will sit you down and lure the shit out of you. I believe it. Um. There's. There's certain armor and weapons in the game that are called exotics. Okay. Exotics are meant to fit a very niche type of circumstance, mm -hmm. and they have a very special use in different situations. Yeah. So there's one called, like, the Crest of Offalupi, right? Okay. Whatever you do, whenever you do something as a Titan, whenever you, like, use your class ability, which is special to Titans, mm -hmm. it gives you a tiny bump in health. Okay. And it also gives everyone around you within, like, five meters a bump in health as well, mm -hmm. right? And it's very, very niche. That's the way I see some of the greatest pieces of my artwork, is I want them to have some magical feeling or quality about them. Uh. Like, the best work that I can put out on the market that would be like 60, 70 bucks a mug, I want someone to pick it up and feel a certain vibration off of it that, mm. makes, them, that makes it feel more exotic 
or a little bit more a little bit more special than the average thing that I make. It's kind of like if you were in D&D and you see mm. all these swords, right? Yeah. But one of them is glowing. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. Like for the for the opus of what I would call my functional work, I wanted to have that type of magical energy about it if mm. as it were. And when you say this, I'm curious, like do you mean that energy going into exactly one singular mug or do you mean like you want all the pieces that you make to have that quality i don't think i could i don't think i could like because because that's that kind of gets into okay I is your that, style yeah. repeating consistent pieces or is it each individual piece is its own individual yeah okay it, things things that are special to that degree or exotic can't can't be like i can't i cannot mass produce magic Number one, it has to come from a source, and it would kill my fucking soul. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from you. And number two, like, I don't know, I, I w it would feel less special to me to a certain degree. Huh. Whether it is or not, it would feel... Le like, there's a, there's a person on Instagram, I don't know his name, but he makes these, like, cool, fluted, swirly mugs. And they look super cool and magical and mystical, and they look super awesome. And then I see that like, he's made, like, a thousand. And I'm like, ah, I kind of want it. It feels less special to me. I don't know. Huh, that's, that's interesting. That's just me, though. Yeah. I don't know. And then I saw that he slip cast them, and I'm like, you could slip cast me if you want. But now, it doesn't seem as handmade to me. I don't know. I want it I want it to be very, very, very personal when I put that quality or that energy into the world. To the mm. point where every single time that energy is different, but on the same level of... Uh, of vibration, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't. I don't want them to be all the same. Like I don't want to mass produce my good work. I want to know what people feel when they look at my work, hmm. and that feeling is important to me. Is there a particular emotion that you would want people to feel? I want people to explode. What does that mean? Okay, so in my wildest dreams, I would create a piece. It would go into a museum. I would take my master. I take Yoshio. I thank him for all he's done for me. I would. Take him out to, to dinner, the fanciest dinner, mm. you know what I mean? Drive him, drive him to the museum and say, look, master, I've, I've made it into a museum. He would see the piece and he would fucking explode. <laughs> His brain would go, how? Mm. How he would, he would drop on one knee and go, I don't understand how you made this. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I want, I want the emotional reaction of s some of my pieces to be like, I don't believe this exists. I've never seen something like it. I don't understand. Like, yeah. I want it to break your brain. That's a lofty goal, my dude. Well, I, I had that reaction one time, and I was like, that's what I want. Like, uh. like, what you're giving me right now is what I want forever. At the zenith of my artistic skill, I want to be so skilled that the piece that I make is improbable to make. The amount of conditions it would take in order to make something that you might be seeing is so specific and so rare that it's almost non-existent. Yeah. Like, I don't get how this piece could exist. Yeah. Even with my knowledge base in clay. Like, I, this couldn't, this should not happen. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. I want to make God cry. <laughs> I do too, but for different reasons. How are you going to get there? I have like, to. Like, what are, what are the steps? Because I think one of the things I want people to take away from this episode is if you're in the position that you're in right now, yeah. or again, if you're like, if you are like, I want to work on my artistic voice, yeah. What are you going to do to, what's the path? What yeah. steps are you, are you taking? Are you thinking about taking to make progress towards that goal? Because I think a lot of folks might have a general sense of what they want in the future, but they're like, how do I get there? I think for me, that goes back to what we were saying in the first couple minutes of this podcast, where it's like just gaining more tools, 
Just, I need okay. more tools. I need more tools. I, I need so many tools that I can combine them to make tools that don't exist yet. Like you were saying earlier, I need something that's greater than the sum of its parts, but I need the parts first. Mm. Isn't that kind of already what you're doing, though? I mean, not to put your words in yeah. your mouth, but like, no, you're good. part of me is like, as you're explaining this, I'm thinking, isn't what you're doing in the process, I guess? I guess you you kind of are developing your style. I need more. As the, okay. I just need more. Yeah. Like, there, there there's not going to be a point in which I'm satisfied until I look at my own piece and I start to cry. Because <laughs> I can never make something like that again. Yeah, I think that's a good descriptor of it. The point in which I make a piece in which I am sad because I will never make it again is the point in which I will find myself satisfied enough to sleep hmm. and be like, that's my style. That's it. I feel like it's almost like you're talking about a different, like almost something other than an overall style. Because yeah. I think you you can have, like, my comparison would be like, my, my overall, I feel like my sculptures are those like ultra special, unique, pieces mm. but within my functional work like every single coffee stat mug like i want to put a little bit of magic into it of right course. so and i'm curious what your interpretation of this is mm. like but i would argue that like you can still have an overall artistic voice that is consistent that you feel like really represents you yeah and within that have those few special pieces that are like super extra yeah i know? think i think the difference for me is i know i know how to i have an idea of how to make the pieces with a certain type of energy in them if I were to say that, yeah. versus having an artistic style. I have no idea what my style is. Hmm. If I made, let's imagine I made two of these magical mystical mugs, right? Yeah. Okay. They're probably going to look completely different from each other because I don't really have yeah. a style yet. Hmm. I just know good quality magic. I know, I know what it feels like and when it is right, but I have no idea what style would incur that. I think that's the way I look at it is I want to be able to put magic into stuff. I don't really care so much about having like a specific style as much right now. Hmm. Okay. I do have to start developing one though. Well, why? Uh, I mean, because I guess that kind of begs the question that like. It's for function mostly. Okay. Yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of my patrons and my subscribers are like, "You made this mug like three years ago, and I want it." And I'm, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah. My brain goes like, if I made more of what you like, I'd probably sell and do better. I'd probably get more pieces out of the studio. Huh, but okay. realistically speaking, I've just been kind of making whatever I want and half of you guys buy them. Okay, so for you, the impetus to hone in on a style is, it's not just that you ultimately want to make a piece or be able to make pieces that are like the culmination of your cumulative experiences. Oh, that's a good way but... to put it. <laughs> Oh my God. So you don't just want to do that though. There is also an element of like, okay, honing in on a style makes c the commercial aspect of what you do yes. easier and more consistent. Okay, you're, so you're it's kind of so like much better with words than I. <laughs> I'm just like, so I'm, I'm, just I'm just processing what you're hearing and then hopefully spitting it out in a way that makes sense and is accurately depicting what you are saying. I am Titan. So. I eat crayon. <laughs> I cannot read. You, you do not give yourself enough credit. It's uh -oh. easier. It's also sometimes like, like, and this is, oh my God, this is a little bit of a tangent, but like, this is one of the things I love about having conversations about things like artistic voice and style is yeah. that sometimes I have found, at least for myself, like I need to have people repeat what I say back to me yeah. to fully get like, oh yeah, like that's what I'm trying to say or that's what I mean because yes, like, and this is, I don't know if I were to like give advice to someone who is, you know, wanting to develop their style more, whether it's someone who, who has a lot of experience like you or whether it's someone who's just beginning is like, probably mentioned this before on the podcast, but like talk to other people about your work mm. because just like I rephrase and reprocess what you've just said to me, 
I feel like people go through that same process with their work where you could sit down with someone and be like, okay, here's what I'm kind of thinking about with my work. Here's what I'm aiming for. What do you see when you look at my work? How would you describe yeah. my work in a few words? You know, and so that process of back and forth because we're in our heads so much oh, yeah. that it's hard to like get out of that and look at our work from a neutral perspective. So having other people around you that can help you with that, it doesn't mean you're a crayon eater. It just means you need I to get am, out of your own head. I am a crayon eater. <laughs> for today. Thank you for listening to The Mud Peddlers with Lindsay M. Dillon and Dante of Earth Nation. Want to say hi and see what Dante and I are working on in our studios? Check out the show notes for links to our websites and social media below. You can find me at lindsaymdillon.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-M as in monster, D-I-L-L-O-N.com. And on Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook at Lindsay M. Dillon. And you can find me at Earth Nation Ceramics. It's spelled exactly how you think it's spelled, but you can also find me on my Facebook fan page and Instagram at the same name at Earth Nation Ceramics. If you enjoyed hanging out with us today, or you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, take a second to rate and review the Mud Peddlers in Apple Podcasts. It helps our podcast reach new listeners, and we really appreciate the feedback. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.